From his first job flipping burgers at McDonald's and delivering the Washington Post, Craig Willett counts only one and a half years of his adult life working for someone else. Welcome to the Biz Sherpa Podcast with your host, Craig Willett, founder of several multi-million dollar businesses and trusted advisor to other business owners. He's giving back to help business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs achieve fulfillment, enhance their lives, and create enduring wealth. The Biz Sherpa. This is Craig Willett, The Biz Sherpa. Welcome to today's episode. I'm grateful that you joined me. Today, we're going to get a wealth of information from one of my good friends and neighbors, Steve Anderson. Steve has written a book, Dental Ease, and this is really helpful for almost any business owner, but in particular, dentists. He walks through how to build out your office space and how to save money in the process of doing that. It's not always the lowest cost bidder that brings the savings. Also, I think he, he has a lot of insights in where to locate your business and why it's important. But more importantly, he's also observed successful dental practices and what makes a successful dentist also makes a successful entrepreneur. So I'm glad to welcome today Steve Anderson. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Grateful to have you here, and I think this book just came out recently, right? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's a labor of love for a lot of years, and uh, <laughs> I didn't realize how much effort it would be to get it published, but it's self-published, and it's uh, been about a month, and now it's on ebook and uh, audiobook also. That's great. But I, I've read your book, and it's really interesting, um, and it appeals to me because you're a contractor, and part of my good part of my career is spent in real estate, so I can relate. I'm really curious as to how you figure out how to guide and find dentists, how you market your construction company, and how you find your clients. They find me. I, uh, it's interesting. Uh, over the years, I've worked hard to be a backdoor marketer. And to me, what that means is uh, first, being consistent, uh, working hard to have integrity and be consistent in my pricing, be consistent in everything I do. But at the same time, uh, work hard at being able to uh, market and sell myself, but more importantly, build relationships with symbiotic businesses, such as since I'm in construction, uh, a good fit is real estate brokerage and commercial and, and having and finding those key people that really understand uh, the marketplace. And, and it's not about just finding the one or two, but finding all the symbiotic businesses that can help my business and vice versa. It's, it's a two-way street. It's really about giving them value and helping them sell better and, and be a better professional. And then by doing that, I reap the rewards of referrals and, and work. Such as, you know, simple things like uh, an equipment person needs an extra operatory and he doesn't know where to begin for a dentist. And so what I do is I'll go out and help them figure out how to make it happen. And yeah, it might be a simple little job, but the one thing that we know is in the dental market alone, um, every three to seven years, a dentist does something, you know? And so it's, and I didn't when realize that. When you say that, that does something means they move? They, 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 they maybe they paint renovate. the carpet, they renovate and move. But what's interesting is they're also very solid tenants. You know, usually once they find the place, 
they usually stay in that place for an average of 20, 25 years or more. So, so when you say backdoor marketing, you mean you don't advertise per se. No. You actually make yourself known among the professional community that can be a source of referrals, not just the dentists themselves. You're marketing to real estate professionals, maybe even certain architects yeah. who can yeah. then recommend you to know what you're that you know what you're doing as far as finish, quality, and cost, which is information they need in making decisions. Well, and, and also there's a very important key to that, one that costs me dearly early in business. The important key is being a referral source to our clients, but making sure that whoever I'm referring has the same standards. Someone that you can count on, someone that will return their phone calls, someone that will follow up with them, someone that will do what they say and promise. Because if you have the reciprocal, it can be as detrimental as, you know, it can actually be worse than doing nothing. Right. So that's where you say symbiotic's important, that they have similar standards. Right. And that they act professionally the way you act. And so that's what makes it yeah. cohesive. And, and you want to make sure that you're on the same page as far as values. You know, uh, it's, uh, you can recommend anybody, you know, but uh, you're only as good as your word. Right. And, and then it uh, just builds from there. And then also supporting whatever area that you're in. So for me, it's Dennis. So I work hard to support whatever the association is doing. And, you know, whether it's a special event or a vendor fair or something like that, I'm always there to help support it and encourage them in the process. And then uh, get outside my box. And I'm really an introvert. That, that sounds interesting. So you write a book and you go speaking at conventions, but you're an introvert. I am an introvert. And, so how do you overcome that? Uh, I do my passion. If you're passionate about whatever it is, you become an extrovert. And it's my That's wife's my wife's actually the extrovert in a relationship. And but when you start talking about dental, you start talking about the business side of things, I start lightening up and and, <laughs> and you and come alive. I come alive. And it's interesting, it just becomes a natural affair for me and it's something that I love to do, and uh, it's more important to me than being paid because I just thoroughly enjoy what I do. And I think that's important, and that comes across. I think it's part of marketing. When you're enthusiastic oh. and passionate about something, the people you work with will recognize that, and they'll, they'll sense that energy and also your knowledge. Oh, yeah. And you talk about, and I mentioned about stepping outside my box, is at the dental convention, you know, I... I I walked around all the booths and everyone's behind the table and I'm going, what are you guys doing? And well, we're selling and then going, no, you're not. <laughs> and so I always make an effort. The first thing I do when I go to a convention is I take my table and I put it all the way to the back and have open floor space. And so A, I'm inviting. And then B is then when there's a lull is go out and talk to the people in the convention hall, the other vendors and stuff. And it's amazing how many people don't do that. But it's amazing every time I've done that, something resulted very powerfully from that. Oh, it really? might not be a direct lead, but it might be leaving a good thought or learning something about their business. Do you have an example you want to share? Oh, uh, I, we had one that had nothing to do with construction at all. And it was a vendor that uh, was uh, selling just apparatuses and things for the teeth and 
And as I was talking to him, I could see a little light goes off and he says, you know, you'd be a really good source for my doctor. And I walked away with a project. Oh, really? You know, and but it was all because I engaged him. And then I had another one uh, that comes to mind is I, I had a video playing in the uh, over on our booth, and um, the guy across the way was watching it. And so as soon as the break's over, he's coming over and talking to me and asking me all these questions. And he, and he was all of a sudden he became like an ambassador. He'd have people come by his booth and said, "Well, you should go over and talk to him." You know, and so really? you, ne you never know. So they start introducing you to the yeah. next lead or making introductions. That's so great. you really never know who your sales force is. I think that's great. I remember a time in my career as a CPA when I would go to different meetings or conventions. I would always come away with some kind of project. that I didn't go there with that intention, but you, you're right. When you meet people and you carry yourself as one who cares and has a passion for what yeah. you do, and that people sense that. Yeah. And people know whether you care or whether you're about their wallet. <laughs> I love that because I've always said, if you start the business to make money, you're doing it for the yeah. wrong reason. If you're doing it to make a difference in people's lives, oh, then the money takes care of itself. Uh, actually, when I was teaching over at AT Stills a few years back with another dentist, he was teaching, I had a little segment on how to sell de you know, dentistry. And man, all, this, all the students were sitting <laughs> up and they were watching intently. And it, as it unfolded, they go, that's too easy. And it just, he had a simple little process of just introducing himself, touching them appropriately <laughs> on their shoulder. <laughs> and what he would do is just engage them and just find a little, little tidbit about them. And then he always did a good job of just providing options, and but it was about connecting with them. I think in your book you talk about him. He listens too. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. That, he, he gets real quiet, lays out the options, and lets them select. Yeah, and that's the key yeah. in selling is you know providing options, but listening, and not talking until they respond. Oh, I think that's great. That's so. that's really a, a very insightful. You said something else that intrigued me early on, and you said offer value. And value is an elusive term, oh, yes. right? <laughs> but how do you view offering value? What does that mean to you? Um, I give of myself and not expect anything in return. That's a great definition. So what are some examples it, that you can think of that really have brought clients back over and over again? You said a dentist does something every three to seven years. So I've how, had, how have you gotten repeat customers from doing uh, first of all, uh, if an issue arises, just take care of it. You know, I, I've paid a lot of money to be right <laughs> and lost. Really? Big time. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, I had a flooring issue one time, and, uh, and I offered to replace the floor three, four times, and he, he'd say yes, and then he'd change his mind, and yes, and, and we went back and forth, and... I got worn out, and that was my key is I got worn out. And uh, so the battle of attorneys went, and at the end, I ended up paying a lot of money for something that I could have resolved so easily. By just replacing, listening to him one more time. One more time. And, you know, the, the issue is, is, you know, things happen, and uh, really, in the big scheme of thing, you hear that thing is the customer's always right, and... You don't want to believe in that, 
<laughs> but there's so much truth to that is right. when you push the envelope and you really work hard to be right and prove the client wrong and then you stop listening also and when you stop listening uh, everything breaks down and you lose and attorneys are the only ones that win so your recommendation is just to listen and keep the communication yeah. line open yeah keep it open and when you have those uh those challenges it's it's really uh most people just want to be heard right when it came time to renovate that dental office did they come oh, back yeah they did that's interesting so what other things have you done to add value where your dentists want to come back because I think a lot of people who do tenant improvements or build out office space think, okay, this is a one-time thing. I got to make my profit on this. But you said something interesting to me that leads me to believe you have a different philosophy. If you know dentists are coming back every three to seven years, this is a recurring client. Yeah. This is not a one-time build out. You know, I, I had an expensive lesson and I did a 5,000 square foot office a number of years ago and did a great job and helped them through a lot of issues. And the project went extremely well. And he had uh, two or three other partners. And oh, about five years later, they did another office. And they chose someone else because, not because of my reputation, but because of out of sight, out of mind. Oh, wow. And it clicked. And what clicked for me is, how can I get in front of people and make uh, do something different? So talk about added value. So I came up with tidbits for success. I've written probably 120 of them now. Yeah. And in in the I think process, they're in, they're in here too. Well, those <laughs> yeah, it kind of mimics what I do. But I, what I found is by I I started building an email blast list, and every uh, once a month I'd send out tidbits for success. And it was a short read and it had usually nothing to do with me or sometimes not even construction. It was just a success thing of things to think differently in business and, and how could you help yourself. So as, and I have a really good opening rate on it and it really amazes me. And then on top of that, then a few years later, I'm going, Okay, it'd really be fun to showcase some of the offices that we've finished and what the things the client said. So I came up with dreams come true. And so uh, the alternating two weeks, so they alternate once a month, but they uh, stagger by two weeks oh, wow. as we send out dreams come true. And dreams come true show another office that's just been finished, and, and then it shows uh, just what they say. But more importantly, it, uh, people love to look at them because they see just a wide variety of offices that can be built in the new styles. Well, and imagine like that. that, the ideas they're gathering for the three or five oh, yeah. years from now when they're going to renovate. Well, and then being a value, the, you know, on our website, we have 70, 80 offices uh, on our website. And people go, why do you show so many? You're giving, you give everything away, Steve. And, and I'm going, no, nobody. I, I learned an important lesson early on in business when I tried to mimic someone else's process. And I found that nobody can else can do it exactly the way they do it, even if you have the script. 
Right. You know, and and what I've found like having the secret formula, they can't mix it quite yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's like uh, what I share with students when I teach is, you know, it's it's like baking uh, cookies, and you know, you take all the ingredients and you just dump them in and stir them up and bake them. It doesn't work, you know. And so the thing I've found is being able to they can firsthand see all this information on our website and about offices we've finished and lots of ideas and and all our tidbits are on there and and but the thing i've found is it's really about being an open book and being a resource and people enjoy that it's refreshing and so how do you find yourself helping dentists, let's say you get referred to the dentist, whether it's from speaking at a convention or whether it's from someone else that has referred you to them. How, do you, how have you helped save them money and time hmm. and made the process easy? Because I mean, I think the name of the book is Dental Ease. So there's a way to, you know, you're, you're taking it and making it simple. And this is along the lines of what I did in real estate development. A lot of people wanted to own their own office building, and they should when they spend that much time educating yeah. themselves. But they don't have time to go out and find the right size piece of land in the right location. And develop it all. And, and develop and it all, all, and then get the structure. But, but what we did is build the shell building and allowed the interior space to be however they wanted it, and because everyone's a, unique. And you did such a great job at that, too. Oh, I, I just Just sharing with you the name of the business earlier, I was just, I'm shocked, I'm amazed. That was my building standard when we, we would have clients go look for a new space. We loved those buildings because of the, all the criteria that were met. Right, but that was part of our marketing too, is that we, we have your needs in mind and we know what you're going to need down the road. So we're going to anticipate that and put it in so that all you have to do as a professional is hire an architect for the interior and a contractor to get it done. And then instead of a two or three year process, you take it down to a two or three to five month process. So anyway, with that in mind, how, how do you help save them? Because they really don't have two to three years to go find a location no, no, it, it's, and start from scratch. So they need to start somewhere. And then there's a lot of decisions that you help them with. Yeah, it, it's so varied and so wide. So uh, today I talked to the dentist, called me up, said, Steve, what do I do? And he's trying to decide, do I do a ground up? Do I do a tenant improvement? Do I buy this old building? Do I do a stand up? What, what is it? And so he, we just started talking through the processes and just quick budget numbers. Early on, when I was in business, I would wanted to get it down to the penny. Right. You know? And when people are trying to make the decision, you know, you round it up to the nearest $10,000, $50,000 level because really in the scheme of things, if something's 800000 and this one's a million dollars, that's really what you're wanting to know. Or right. this one's a $1.8 million, you know, and that's really what it's. So just helping them through that and then talking about the visibility and, and talk about uh, advertising and, and what are they going to spend more monthly to maintain and gain from. Uh, but when... a uh, and then I have the client that comes and uh, one that really comes to mind is uh, a doctor in Mesa that had an office and he already had his permit and he had his plans done. And he said, Steve, I want to build this out. I'm, I've got a doctor coming on board here in six months and I've got to have this done and we're going to expand it. And I said, fine. Can I have permission to just set this aside and let's talk a minute? 
He says, why? I got all <laughs> yeah, decisions. I'm ready to go. Just build. But, but that was an important lesson I learned a long time ago is nobody, not nobody, but most of the people, even architects and other contractors don't ask that extra question. And so at the end of the meeting, he goes, these plans don't work. And then he goes, so what's that cost me? He says, well, we're going to, you know, probably another $3,000 to modify the plans. You're going to lose a month at the city and go at it and do it right. But he goes, that's worth it. Because all of a sudden, he, he shared with me in the meeting, he says, for 10 years, 10 years ago, I hired a professional to help me design my operatories. And they're too tight at the head wall. And I hate them oh, no. for 10 years. And he was going to get a guy another 50 pounds bigger and six inches taller than him coming on board. And he's not going to be able to move around and, he couldn't and function, even function those spaces. And, also, Let alone and you're going to mimic it over in the other space. Right. Let alone and, if the doctor's cramped, imagine the patient. And what was so sad is the operatories were struggling for space. And here the hallway was six feet wide and you could easily take a foot out of it. So, you know, it depends on where the dentist is. You know, when we have a dentist that is early on, uh, he's, they're just in the process and they're trying to decide where to go. They've, and we typically sit down with them and find out, uh, we, we call it a program meeting. And it sounds more terrifying than it is. <laughs> but basically, it's just finding out what's important to them. What are they about? How many operatories are they thinking? What kind of practices is it going to be? What kind of demographic? And, and at the end of the meeting, we're able to go to the broker and say, well, he needs 2,400 square feet, and he wants to be in this general area, and, and help him through that. But that's where we talk about assembling your team and you get them together and and more than one set of ears are listening to what the dentist wants and you can help them in that process. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and in fact, I think one of the things that your book really brings out that I think is a key and that is your practice will speak a thousand words when they walk in. Yeah. It's going to say who you are as a dentist. Is, for any business owner, your office is going to say who you are, and you need to be consistent with that. So it's really important to make that impression. And Not necessarily overwhelming and spending a lot of money, but it has to be comfortable and feel yeah. right. And, and the key to that is making sure it's who you are. And, uh, and So really, you spend a lot of time with them trying to help figure out who they are? Yeah, uh, and the reason being is... You can build any level of design, but it's, you have to be comfortable in your own skin. You have to be comfortable in your surroundings. And I've always believed that, that if you build at the height of who you are, you'll succeed. Now, it, it's, it's important not to go over it, over design or under design, because it's under design, you hate going. Right. And if it's over design, then you have an issue where uh, you struggle because people are uh, second guessing. Or, you know, you're not, and yeah. you're going to think, well, they're, they're he's recommending for it. this so he can pay. Yeah, he's recommending a bridge today. Yeah, so, so he, he can, can pay, pay for, for it. This. And so what I've found is uh, I, I think of a gentleman over in uh, East Phoenix and Hispanic area, and it was the lowest cost per square foot, most basic dental office I've ever built in my life. And he knocked it dead. Really? Because that's who he was. He understood his market and he understand 
what he was about. I mean, it had no soffits. It was just very BCT floor tile, just very, uh, very basic. Yeah, just final, no but tile. He, he started out with uh, three ops, and then I saw him at the expo the next year. He said, I just added my, ne my next operatory, and see him at the next show, and he says, I'm all built out for all my ops, and I'm just killing it. And, and, and then I've gone to a dental office that is just knock dead gorgeous, very, very pretentious even because, you know, rather than one or two soffits, it had like eight layered soffits and it had, you know, just all kinds of just special, there wasn't a flat or radius, uh, every ceiling was radius and all kinds of specialties in it. And it was way beyond the doctor. And the doctor moved into the space and I went to go see him because he had a, a little construction issue and he'd been in there six, eight months and his production had dived. Oh, no. And what happened was um, he was very insecure. He had a hard time going to work and, and just that. He felt that patients when they came were paying for this. And so, so you have to have confidence in what you're doing and your surroundings have to reflect. Yes, who you are, so that the, yeah. you're comfortable and they're comfortable. Well, and and the key is, so it's designed for who you are, and that's where I, I found uh, when I started specializing in '97 that um, everyone sold Kool Aid, and there's lots of Kool Aids to drink. You can go to this architect, and they'll sell you their type. And I won't get into the names, but the uh, everyone had their package and the way of doing right. things. Right, and their signature style. Yeah, right. and, and I, I could literally walk in, I could tell you which architect or which uh, firm it was. So what was interesting is, as I started working with them, I'm realizing that it's not about the client, it's about them. This is how the way you will always do it. Right, and I don't want to be detrimental, but I always express it this way. I always say, are they building it for someone or are they building a monument to themselves? Right, yeah. Right, as the design expert yeah. rather than for, and, and I've been through that process with, uh, Carol and I have been through that process in trying to design a home. It kept being designed the way the architect wanted, and, and hence we never built it uh, because it, he never got what we wanted and we, spent quite a bit of money and never built it because it didn't reflect us. Yeah. And, and I think that's one thing that you can probably help dentists make oh, sure it reflects them. That's really, uh, there's no greater reward than having a dentist walk in and you just see that big smile. You know, I <laughs> you know, go, yeah, I nailed it. You know, it's just. Now you touched on something that I think is important. I don't want that to go unnoticed what you just said. The reward you get and the feeling of emotional, I call it emotional currency, that goes beyond the dollars and cents of the oh, transaction, yeah. that you can see someone be more successful. That's how it was and how it is for me and anything that I do. When I did office buildings, when the doctors would say, hey, Mike, they would write to me and say, I have more walk-in <laughs> traffic and I get more referrals oh, from yes. my location and because my office is right. There was nothing that brought greater satisfaction. And I've talked about that before on my podcast. And so that, that is so key. So many people think business is dollars and cents, but it's about meeting expectations and then exceeding those. So I yeah. want to hear more about how you add value. It's, it's about putting the right team together. And, and so when you have a dentist that's coming in to look for 
or any professional looking for a practice, it's asking those extra questions and, and then also trying to match. Um, I work hard to match personalities. Um, the last thing you want is a really good architect, but if they have conflicting personality with the client, it doesn't go real well. You, you want, when you have a meeting, you wanna make sure things click and there's excitement and it's fun. And, you know, and that's really makes it an enjoyable process. And so they enjoy coming to the meetings, you know, and, and, and the key is we also work hard to maximize their time. So we ask for the privilege to deal with a lot of the stuff up front because the thing when I, when I first started in construction, I would notice that most of the contractors is, you know, hand me a set of plans and I'll go build it. And you're kind of going, there's a lot missing here. <laughs> and uh, in what besides, well, besides just asking the extra questions about is the plan right, but also walking them through that and then helping them under envision if uh, whether it's a 3D rendering or uh, or a drawing or uh, pictures, I, I keep a on my tablet. I usually have anywhere from uh, probably 200,000 pictures of just different offices. I mean, I, but but we just share with them just. Uh, they're trying to comprehend what it looks like. So I'll pull up, a, uh, I have a category just for waiting rooms and hallways and operatories. And, and so we can share those with them, but help them with their, the color uh, process and colorization. We do all that probably, I'd say 90% of the offices that we do, we do all the colorization. And, they and even have a section in your book on the colors and what they mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there is a, uh, everything has a psychology to it, you know, right. and it's about success. Well, I, I also noticed as I read your book that you keep people from making mistakes. You I told me hard. about one just before we went on air today, but one of them that you mentioned in your book is you had lunch with one dentist and she was <laughs> explaining to you she had an 1,800 square foot office and she had found a 6,000 square foot building and wanted to get the broker yeah. as the next meeting. And you said after the end of the lunch, Cancel the meeting with the broker. What yeah. happened? Uh, I uh, he first goes. It was she first was in shock, and then I explained. I said, you know, basically, let's go back to your office and see what we need to do. And for what the request and the needs were, it required a forty thousand dollar remodel. And it's interesting that doctor just shot me an email this week and said, okay, now I'm ready for the office. And it's going to be about a 3,000 square foot office. Oh, wow. But, you know. So rather than overshoot the mark and overwhelm. And they would have been out of business. Big. You know, within a so, year, they would have been out of business. So it's not just a matter of life's difficult. Life could be, business life could be fatal if you oh, make the wrong decision on location or size. It's huge. One of the, I, I teach a, a word to dental students. And it's no. <laughs> <laughs> And they laugh, and then I explain why. And I, I, I said, most of you, and I said, usually the, in a, hundred, a class of 100, it's usually one or maybe two that like confrontation. And uh, I said, the rest of you don't like confrontation. So all of a sudden, you get sold things that you don't need, don't want, and, but you're too embarrassed to do otherwise. And I share some of my experiences and 
uh, dumb moves that I've made over the years. And that I, even goes to investing. It can oh, go, everything, go. you know. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I uh, one time I won an award of a, a spa. And the, it, the day finally arrived and it showed up. And it was in a box this big. <laughs> and you were expecting <laughs> yeah. a full-size hot tub? But I had to get over myself. I, you know, for two years, it sat up on a shelf and my guys wrote Steve Spa. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, but I had to get over it, and I share that with the doctors is, you know, it, it would have solved so much headache, heartache, frustration if I just faced up to it and said no to begin with. And so I tell them, if you don't have the guts, make sure that you have, a, a, whether it's a spouse or a, a loved one, someone that can help you in your process that's always with you to be the, the bad person, be the person that, right. you know, say, no, Good this cop, doesn't work. Bad cop, yeah, hey, this we, doesn't we can't work do for this. Me. Right. You know, and, and they go, oh, you see the sigh of relief. Oh, I don't have to do this. <laughs> so That's interesting. You also told me a little bit about somebody who you were helping even recently that was looking at an older building. And oh, I, yeah. I kind of want to talk about location because yeah. in real estate, they'll say location, location, location is important. And I think so from a point of visibility, but you're working with someone now who's okay. trying to decide between uh, so we got a new two, building and an old building. Let's we talk got about two that. issues there. So first is one thing I teach is the importance of uh, understanding what's important. So I give an example of, you know, is it location? Is it your skills as a dentist? And most dentists will absolutely, this is real important. <laughs> is it your staff and how they relate? Is it relationships? Is it, you know, uh, the location? And and we list those five or six items up on the board and I, and everyone goes to location. And I said, actually, that's probably down two or three. And it's number one is relationships. You make my dad turn over in his grave saying that, but I like the relationships, but it's location. Yes, well, and we'll get to, you know, and in perspective, and, and that's, that's where they're all important. Right. But if you don't have that relationship, and I've proven this, is I've seen two practices, opposite corners, same great location, and one flourished and one didn't. And the reason? Relationships. And so one dentist, how, how do you, you well, build and, good relationships? And, and it's about connecting with your patients. And, and they're not just a dollar sign. You know, it, and when they walk in, you provide options for them. You, you help them through the process. You help them understand what's important. And, and it's not just dentists. It's any business. It's really providing them options and let them make the choice of what's best for them at that time. Because it's right. different for everybody. And you go into these really hard sale uh, gimmicks sometimes. And, you know, I, I remember early on going to some of these seminars and I'd be overwhelmed with all the information I come back from it. But in the important thing was, is just grab one or two tidbits. And so the, it really comes down to relationships. And so, and then part of that, uh, so talking about the businesses, so, Location uh, came up in that conversation we had just a little bit ago was there's two businesses a quarter mile apart, one sitting on the corner. It's an old building. It's going to need uh, some improvements, but the landlord was going to do some refurbishing of the outside of the building. Uh, the square footage was going to max them out. He's not going to quite, he was wanting to do a couple extra operatories, but the location was just killer. 
and uh, parking was tremendous. He was going to have to do some demo, uh, demo the entire inside and start over. Quarter mile down the road, great condo complex, but it was the last one, the very back of the building. And brand new. Brand well, uh, new, it hasn't, not built yeah, out. Yeah. Not, never built out, but uh, it hadn't recovered from 08, and it was done just right at that time frame. Okay. And what was interesting is there's very few of those left, but it was one of those buildings in which brand new building, never been built out, but it was going to cost them $20, $25 a square foot more to do that location than over here. And what was interesting is I told the doctor, I says, you, you think about it, you're sitting on a corner and three directions, you see it instantly. And you're a standalone freestanding building. And I said, you're not going to have to pay for advertising. Though over here, you're going to spend three to $5,000 a month. Wow. And it was going to cost him more at the yes. end of the day anyway, plus that. Yes. That's interesting. And that's why I always say it's important to have that visibility. You know, you don't need to have a neon sign, but if you're in a path of where most of your patients, potential clients or customers are going to go, and they're passing by on the way to school, church, home, from work, uh, they're, they're going to see that name and it's going to reinforce whatever referral they get. Yeah. And, and it's so, so important. And, and, but it's not always location. There, you know, I've seen just the opposite happen. And, oh, really? Um, I've seen certain situations where it's not quite as a good a location, um, but because of the demographic and what was in the center so I've had people into a center that have done extremely well, and um, they ended up renting rather than buying the other building because the foot traffic, because it was a grocery store. Oh, okay. And they knocked it dead. And so there's all these things that you have to put into the hopper. It's not just location, or it's not just you know the cost per square foot, or whether I can buy or sell. You know, it's always better to buy for long-term investment. But, you know, I've done one off, one client I had, uh, we did six offices for over the years, and he never owned any of them. Oh, really? And they were all in someone else's space. But they made a very good living. And I, and I said, uh, one day I said, so how can you justify this? I have, I have uh, students that asked me this said, how do you feel comfortable in putting in $200,000, $400,000 in someone else's building and not own it? And he says, well, number one is, says, I don't have to think about it, uh, the maintenance and the care of the building, and, and I don't want to have extra tenants because then I don't have to be a project manager and I don't have to right. do all that kind of stuff. And, and he said, basically, it simplifies my life. And I do what I do extremely well. And he says, yeah, it cost me some money. But, you know, in the long term, it's in a center in an area where there wasn't a building available or right. a site available. Right, he couldn't buy it. Probably couldn't yeah. even buy it uh, at that location. Know, and there's, there's a lot of situations like that around town and around the country that, you know, land isn't always available. And, and really, it's about your business and, and making a good business decision and putting all that together. I think you said something there too that I think is a, a point that I know you make in your book and 
that is that there's some advice about getting it stress-free too and and being able to eliminate some complications what what advice do you have for business owners and and what advice do you give to dentists to kind of help you said this one guy he didn't have to worry about the building and so he that doctor went ahead and was very successful we didn't have to worry about some of the worryship the worries of ownership so well, just in what we do, you know, the the advice and helping them through the whole process, uh, it's more like a project manager than than it is being a contractor. It's a design build, and we take them through that entire process. But and and that the value to that is tremendous. Um, what they receive, uh, but also having that being surrounded by so many. Um, good accountable professionals, and I can't stress the accountable portion enough. You have a good accountable team; they're they're taking care of all those details and, and working together to make sure it happens timely. Yeah, and you can you can concentrate on your business, and and they're accountable to you. You know they're accountable because then what they're doing is they're providing you uh, with a, a timeline. Here's our timeline. Here's our agenda. Here's our target dates. And here's how we're doing those target dates. And here's our updates. Yeah. Accountability is really important. And I think that goes to all businesses. When you hire outside professionals, they should be accountable and they should have similar values, like you said. And if they have those similar values, it's more of a pleasure to do business. Oh, it is. It is. And it's, it's always tough to work with, uh, Someone that's not in sync, someone that doesn't have quite those same values, but you, by some reason, uh, those those cases happen, and and you have to make the best of them. That's interesting. You know, I I look through, uh, and I, you would think at the end of the day that saving money is usually most people's motivation. And I know you kind of uh, say something in your book that I thought. I, th- I think it's an important thing to talk about, and that is you mentioned that you don't like to have to see them competitively bid. And someone might say, well, yeah, Steve says that because Steve doesn't want them going out and bidding against other contractors if he's invested all this time up front. But more so, what are the hazards to just doing competitive bid? Well, just for, for building out and, the improvements. And, and, it, and it doesn't matter for whether it's improvements or equipment or whatever it might be is for myself, what happens is uh, I take a lot of pride in what I do and I always wanna give my best. And when people start uh, uh, going into the competitive bid mode, all of a sudden it's kinda like it's not as important to them anymore. So it it kinda not as important to me anymore either. Oh, I see. You know, and, and I have, I hate to say it, but I have a little bit of an ego there. Right. What's interesting is when we so go out they're sacrificing get, good execution for lowest price. Yeah, and, and it happens so often. And um, you can always take all the hard work of uh, someone that's done gone before you and if they've done a great job, and you can always undermine it and undercut it. And, uh, you know, but are you going to get the same thing? No. You know, because they're, the attention, the detail, and the, the value that happens. And what I find, and uh, when I have a client that has chosen someone else um, in the process, is usually the next time I get them, 
because they uh, come back to me and say, okay, I understand what you're talking about now. And I, I paid dearly for that. Right. And it, and and it usually comes from well, just allowances being too skinny oh, and they're yeah. going to pay more. You can, and actually, that's what's so frustrating. And then the changes cost more. You can make a number look like anything. And I, sh- I share this with uh, students. I, I said, you know, these are actually all identical quotes. And they go, well, they vary by $150,000. How can that be? Well, you see that little NIC or you see that little mission where it doesn't say anything about it or you see that PBO or, you know, provided by others or you can make any proposal look like anything you want just by, by leaving a few out. things out. Or you, t- you see an allowance here that's uh, $30,000 and over here it's $5,000. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that, you know, all the cabinetry in the entire office will probably cost $30,000, but they're giving you a $5,000 allowance. So they're going to hit you with a big change order plus additional markup on top of that. Yeah, it looks great now, but you're going to pay dearly. And in this world right now with lenders, what they're doing is it used to be standard practice. Remember the days when they give you an extra 10% over the contract? That was standard practice. It doesn't happen anymore. You know, if a lender gives you a letter these days, that's it. You right. know, if the, if it's a half million dollars and all of a sudden you're at six fifty, that hundred fifty thousand is coming out of your pocket, right? The and equity you gotta, in your house or and, and friends they, and relatives, and yeah. they will literally stop the project until you pay up. And so it can it can cause a delay. It can cause a lot of grief and it causes a lot of problems. You know, I, I, I was checking uh, at the end of last year. I'm going, so how am I doing with change orders? Because, you know, I'm always curious. And, and so out of all the projects we did last year, if I pulled three clients out and I pulled, and those three clients are ones that uh, they had no budget and, they had, and every time they turned around, they wanted some additional work done. So once I just pulled those out. And we were at uh, 0.8% change orders. Wow. You know, and, and I so, said, so why is that? Well, if you define the scope of work really well, and you've done a good job listening and putting it all together, then it all comes together. Right. Then there are no surprises. Yeah. There aren't those big delays. And those are what cost people money, right? A dentist is trying to open an office. If they have a four or five month delay of unanticipated approvals or things not ordered timely or they had an allowance, but they hadn't gotten to pick it out. Now they have to go pick it out and it's back ordered. And and that's where I found the importance of asking all those questions up front. That's why we talked earlier about why I ask clients the permission to have those meetings up front. They're going... Boy, these are intense. And so in, <laughs> in a matter of three hours, we finalized their floor plan and, and looked at the ceiling and power plan. We've got 80% of their material finishes done. And in the second meeting, it's not uncommon to have the ceiling plans approved, cabinet details are reviewed, and material finishes are approved. In the end, you're saving them a lot of time. Oh, and and rather, w- rather than the stigma, the, the standard for the industry is you're making decisions throughout the process. So you're constantly getting interrupted. And all of a sudden you get a phone call and you're in the middle of a procedure, whatever it might be, and say, you know, what color carpet did you want to go? Or, you know, what, where did you want that accent wall? <laughs> right. And not and thinking And what stain through. did you want on those cabinets? Yeah. <laughs> right. And asking just stupid questions at the very end. 
And so before we start, we have all those answers, you know, and into the nth detail. I think that's great. You know, one of the things that I can tell that you really care about your business is one of your attributes is you're one of the only one. In fact, I think you're the only general contractor that is endorsed or approved by yeah. the, the Arizona Dental Association. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. What was that process like? In Arizona, we are the only general contractor that specializes in dental offices. That's great. So that goes back to importance of a niche. You told me in 1997, so the name of your company is Denco. Yeah. You decided to specialize. <laughs> what were you doing before 1997 that wasn't, that, that led you, or what led you to specialize in dentistry? Um, I got tired of being everything to everyone. Um, I was driving work one day and I'm going, I am so fed up in being a number. And I'd just gone through a, a seminar and uh, uh, it was an eye opener. And I had this thing that uh, said that I have a need to be needed. And, and also I have a lot to give and I have a lot of value. And I'm going, well, they don't go hand in hand, in hand when you're constantly just being throwing a number out and you have no value. And so as I was driving to work, I'm going, okay, so... Who needs help? And of all the different businesses I'd done that part, and you have to understand, I'd done residential. Uh, and that's what homes I want. And, I want to hear. Yeah, we so we done homes. Yeah, we talking homes, residential uh, remodeling. We're talking uh, commercial. We talk strip centers, industrial hazardous. We did work at the uh, med- uh, milk plant. We've done work at uh, just every kind of commercial setting you can ask. So if they needed a contractor, you were bidding on it. Yeah. And Dennis came to mind. Why and is that? Why did they, of all things, why would they come to your mind? Um, it was, uh, we were doing a walkthrough one day. And uh, I still picture it. We were walking through and doing the final punch on the job. And we opened up the door and it goes, God, that's beautiful. What is that? <laughs> and he said, that's your $750 mop sink. And his mouth dropped, and he got really red, and he was very upset. And he says, you know, I told the architect that I wanted a $50 mop sink, the cheapest thing I could get. Whoa. And it just kind of, one of many things that hung with me, but it comes back to listening and why I really encourage the team of professionals at each stage being there and listening and being attentive. So if I don't catch it, you do, or vice versa, and, and, or the, other, the architect might catch it, or whatever it might be. And so that stuck with me, and I'm going, dentists, I, I see where they're constantly being taken advantage of, you know, upsold, sold things they don't need, uh, just all kinds of things. And so you thought, hey, there's an opportunity for me to come in and help. Yeah. Truly help yeah. with and an eye a to make a difference. Yeah. So I, I wanted to make a difference in the dental field and impact them in a new, unique way. And and that same time, uh, within a few months, I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to teach at the colleges. And I'm going, okay. You have to understand, I never went to college. But you're teaching. And I teach at a college. Miracles happen. <laughs> but it I, comes back to the passion. Yeah, and the it passion. comes back to 
what you know and but I uh, like it though too it's specialization you chose a niche and then you just kept refining and yeah. refining so since 1997 you I mean this book is replete with pictures examples floor plans and processes to go through to build out a, a, a dental practice of your dreams and I, I think it reflects your passion for that and in that, we're not talking just dentistry here today. No, we're talking, no, no. this applies to any business. When you can narrowly define your market and then understand that oh, you, so the true. more you know about that market, the better off you are. You're going to know your customer so well, your potential customer so well. You'll know who knows them to refer them to you. You also know what their needs are before they know what they are. You'll anticipate that and you can make their life a lot easier. And that's where you add value. Yeah. And that and that's the key. It it's fun going to a meeting, and my my sales pitch has changed over the years. Uh, in the past, I'd start off by talking about me. That's the worst thing you can do. When in my mind, when you want to try and get across your value, and instead say, "What are your needs?" Or sometimes I'll just walk in and say, boy, you really have an issue with this and this right now, don't you? And it goes, how do you know? <laughs> you know, because I, I can just see some pain points that are in an existing office. And, you know, just by looking at it and, and then speak to those and just and make sure they're heard. I've, right. had, I've had offices. Another one that comes to mind was uh, one in Yuma. And uh, I was asked to go down and they'd, they had drawn, uh, the equipment company had drawn like eight drawings for this guy. Wow. And they, he was frustrated and, and he's about to lose the client. And he said, Steve, would you come down? Let's just kind of look at it and maybe you can help a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know. So we, I just went down and listened to him and just asked some pointed questions about things. And I didn't even want to see the other floor plans. I, you know, I just, just let's just see what it is that you're about. So two days later, I shot him an email with um, two plans. And I says, this is the one I think you're going to like. And this is the one that I would do. <laughs> Which and did he pick? The one he wanted to do. Really? And there were minor change. Oh, okay. You know, it, it was just position of the doctor's private office. Oh, okay. And, you know, I, I just, I won't get into the details. But, but the equipment company ended up keeping the deal. Yeah because of your expertise. Yeah. That's interesting, because you possess an expertise that's pretty deep, and I think that carries credibility with reputation. People, I asked someone the other day on, on our podcast, you know, how do you, uh, how does someone go about finding a professional to help them? And they said, ask others in the industry. Yeah. yeah so I, mean, I would imagine if I went in a few dental offices, I'd hear about Denco. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I, I would imagine so. No one can escape the Sherpa's cave without answering. And I think you answered it once. I'm going to ask you again, though. You, you did, I didn't even ask you, but you told me about the spa and having to get over yourself. But everybody just a, has a failure. I want to know one of your biggest failures besides winning the award for the spa and having to look at it for two years yeah, on the shelf. Actually, that was that's, this big. that's just a small little piece of my failures. <laughs> okay. I, I've had so many uh, learning experiences over the years and i and the book is a compilation of uh taking those learning experiences and help people uh, receive success from them um my pain my pain points and so the biggest 
personally is uh, my marriage and my family. Um, uh, I, my wife uh, said she had it on two occasions. One at seven years of marriage, and then we put a Band-Aid on it. And at 15 years, it was almost irreparable. Um, fortunately, what I did is the result of that is I stopped and looked around and going, things aren't working by results. And that's an important thing is right. sometimes we don't stop and look around, but I'd stopped everything I did and realized this, this is very important to me. And I got counseling and, uh, and then we counseled together and, and, uh, I, it scared me to death because I thought that the counseling would go on forever like Bob Newhart. You know, <laughs> right, and, I remember uh, watching that yeah, show. <laughs> you know, I'm telling my age. And, uh, but uh, we've been married over 42 years now. Wow. And so um, I think we did a good job. So. I, did, I worked hard at it, and I still work hard at it. So what did you learn from that experience? Um, how priorities. It, it's really, I was a workaholic and uh, I learned it well from my parents. You know, my dad worked six, seven days a week and worked late. My mom was always doing something and, and to be still is, was not a good thing in their minds. And um, so from that, uh, realized that, hey, something's got to change. And yes, I'm a workaholic and, uh, but there is help. And so setting some healthy boundaries, you know, and, and finding, uh, finding areas that can make me a better person and help me be more balanced in life in that process. You know. And I think that's so important. And I, I wonder, I just have to ask this question, maybe it's relevant, maybe it's not, but when you started to specialize in dentistry, did that help you with managing that time becoming less of a workaholic per se, and, and more, it was va more available to the to to your wife. It, it was a dangerous time because it needed more. You know, when you're just starting something, yeah. it's kind of scary. You know, uh, I know. Uh, you I know, remember those feelings. You know, especially um, because also you have to understand is uh, my uh, business wise, my biggest failure is uh, personal and business bankruptcy, and. Um, what happened was uh, basically I put everything uh, into the one basket and I did a number of different things and we can talk about that. But it, it was very, very devastating. And I was fortunate that I had fixed the marriage before that transpired. Um, and, but to survive that and all the other challenges we've had in our lives I feel very blessed, so. I think that's great. You know, I, I appreciate your honesty. You know, so often we're not willing to talk about some of the challenges that we face. And as with everyone, we face extreme, extreme lows to experience extreme success. And when I'm talking extreme success, I'm not talking about dollars and cents because we haven't talked anything about what your revenues are and I don't really care and I don't think it's important. What I think is important is what you said is when you walk in and that dentist has a smile on his face. Yeah. And I'm sure when you walk home from work and your wife has a smile on her face knowing yes. that you're going to spend time with her tonight yes. instead of helping somebody else out. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and my nature is to always be there for everyone, and so that doesn't work. You, you have to have there's a balance, and and it's it's going to be different for everyone, and right. everyone's going to have different criteria what that looks like. And right, but you don't want your business to own your life. You no, need to own your life. No, there's there's and more put those than priorities. That. Yeah, I'd like to share one other thing. Is that sure? Right? No, go right ahead. You know, one thing that I've found. Um, and I put it in a, towards the end of the book, was fists for success. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one thing that business people should remember. And fists for success. And what it, it just hit me one day is, as I would talk to professionals and they're getting ready to do their job, so often it's like this little wall is there and they don't realize it. They're blind to it. And it's keeping them from their future. It's keeping, it's holding them back and they don't realize it. And so what's interesting is, you know, and it's like fists, you know, you're literally, if you were the lender or the broker or whatever, you're, you're holding back your own future. Right. You go, well, protect, how can trying that? to protect your territory. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and, and you talk about the closed position versus, you know, the open position. And what's interesting is, you know, you take, uh, so I came up with fists. So the F is the FICA. The FICO score. And, you know, that's in this day of, of uh, the economy, that's become so important. Right. You know, and tell people that, you know, really, if you can keep it in the, at least in the low 700, 720 right in there and up is really to your advantage because lenders will look at you, you know, more. Right. And more, help you through anything. And, and then the I, intelligent spending. And people go, what? Well, what I saw firsthand is people doing their spending in the wrong order. And well, what do you mean? Well, dentists uh, especially, you know, they go from school making nothing to all of a sudden they're making some really good figures every month. And first thing you want to do is go buy the real nice house and buy the real nice car. But what's interesting when they do that, they can't buy, they don't qualify now. Right. to do the the office because all of a sudden they got all these loans. other obligations now, now what's for. what's interesting in the dental community is uh they can literally go borrow four hundred thousand dollars and not even have it show up on their credit report wow what else where else do you see that no it gives me a reason to be a dentist <laughs> well, but, but think about right. that it'll show up if you don't make payments but what's interesting is, uh, so if you do it just the opposite order, you literally can go out and get that $400,000 office and the next day go buy the big house. Right. But, right. So do the office first, get the house and the car yeah. later. And, and it's really the priorities. What, what gives you your return on your investment? Your business. Set up yourself for business. Get the business going. Make the sacrifices early on and it'll take care of yourself. That's great. And, you know, and then S, you know, so we got F-I-S. So, right. so we got the S. So S is satisfy your passion. And I know too many people that are doing business not because they really are passionate about it. It's just because it's a job. Right. Find your passion. Right. I, I, Might as well I, just be an employee and work somewhere. I can, I can remember graduating from school and thinking, what am I going to do now? And, I, and just go out and find a job and 
But I, I soon realized that, it, you know, when I chose to specialize in dental, it's, you know, you find where you fit in. Every one of us is uniquely made. You know, God gave us, you know, certain skill sets and, and use them to your maximum ability. And when you're right in that niche, just, man, things sing. And it's just so fun. And then, you know, then we talk about, uh, so we got the T. So the, uh, the T is time, time for relationships. And so, you know, it's not and only- Somebody taught me a long time ago, relationships are not efficient. They take time. Yeah. And you can't just, in, your, in our living in an efficient world, denote sometimes five minutes here can be worth a, a, a lot. And sometimes four hours here is what it's going to take. So yeah. you don't know. You know, and, and so, yeah, and when we went time. through bankruptcy and, and went through all those hurts and early on in rebuilding our marriage and, and strengthening that, you know, God was very clear to me in saying, you know, you know, you feel someone's calling you and they need attention, drop what you're doing and take care of it. And I had some very big deadlines at times. And I remember someone would call me and they really needed five minutes or an hour of my time. And I'm going, <laughs> but I made that commitment. And what's interesting is my daughter was saying a couple of weeks ago, just how much she appreciates that I'm always there. And it makes a difference. And that's invaluable. Yeah. It's, oh, it's huge. And then the last is S savings. What? <laughs> In this day and age, people don't save, you know, but it, if you do those first four and then you take time to build your nest egg. So ideally it's not have debt, but if you have debt, what's more important even then uh, is be regular payments on your debt and then work towards saving some money. And in this day and age, you should, you know, have 30, 40, $50,000 set aside. So when you want to do your dream, man, the lender's going to look at you and go, you have what? Right. <laughs> you have some money in the bank? <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, you, you put all that together. So what happens is you start peeling that away, and all of a sudden, the lender looks at you differently. And all of a sudden, they're ready to put that money in your hands. And you, and you, you have that broker, and he's able to facilitate. And all of a sudden, you pre-qualify, and you're able to make a quick decision, and you're on the first you know, option rather than the last option, right. trying to find the space and constantly trying so to you get the right up. office space. You get yeah. the right deal set you just up. Just set yourself up for. I think things. that's important. I love, oh. I love how we align on your philosophies here, and I think it just proves that as you focus on your niche, as you seek to add value, and as you care and spend that time to show people that you care. You help others make better decisions. You you have greater satisfaction, yeah. and you know that they're going to be happy when you walk in that door, that smile on the face. I think that speaks a thousand words to see a dentist smile when you walk in the door. Probably is your biggest reward. Yeah, besides is. your son and daughter yes. telling you they love you and <laughs> yes, appreciate amen. you. Yeah, great. Well, Steve, I appreciate all the time that you spent today to share the many lessons you've learned through your career and continue to learn and also the way you execute your business. I think it's Thank a great you. example to our audience. I, 
thanks for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is enjoyable. Thank you. This is Craig Willett, the Biz Sherpa. Thanks for joining us in today's episode. And I'll always remember the fists, but I like it with the open hand. I don't want to be hit with a fist. Close. <laughs> Thank you. Be sure to go to our website to access the resources related to this episode at www.bizsherpa.co. If you enjoyed this show, tell your friends about us and be sure to rate our podcast. Craig would like to hear from you, so share your thoughts in the Facebook community at bizsherpa.co. Follow us on Twitter at bizsherpa underscore co and on Instagram at bizsherpa.co.